your co-host Adrian. I'm Thomas. And I'm Zach. Nailed it. And then there's that awkward silence where we try to decide who's going to talk first because we're not in the same room together. Well, and there's a little bit of delay. There's a slight delay and then my dog touched my leg with his cold ass nose and I had to not scream because I have headphones on so I couldn't tell he was here and that sneaky son of a bitch just likes to chill my <laughs> cold nosed you if he puts it in your knee knee elbow it's just hor- knee elbow knee. Uh, the word I was looking for was knee the crotch pit? the knee crotch that's worse yeah knee pit knee crotch whatever it pit. is worse it's, def- it's a pit it's, it's a, a pit, pit. Why did I say crotch? The, the, the term you decided to use is the pits. It is the But it pits. is a pit. Yeah, that was not nice. All righty. What are we talking about today? Besides my knee uh, crotch. D&D. <laughs> Thomas, and tell a, us about And a monster, monster. And a monster and an item. All right. Ooh, all right so you made right. the standard fare. No gust host today. So we're, we're ready to go. Yeah. It's just, it's just the three of us. Sorry if you liked... If you liked him, you'll have to. You'll have to message us on like Facebook. Shabba, you'll have to. You know. Yeah. Tell us to bring him back. Tell us to bring him back, which yeah. would require interaction. Ha! Suckers, talk to us. We're lonely. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are starting in the monster manual on page twenty-two, right up here at the front, Ooh. with the Azer. Which I'm going to pronounce it Azer because it's like laser without the L. And so. as we discussed last episode, there are no phonetics. No phonetics. Yeah. How do you s- it is. Yeah, like gazer is G-A-Z-E-R. I mean, lasers with an S, but I get where you're going with it. Spell this Close for enough. them. I, if you spell it with an S, you're lame. Laser? But it's a, it's an, an, it's it's an acronym. Lasers. Yes, well, I know. Okay. <laughs> Natives of the elemental plane of fire, Azers are master crafters, expert miners, and sworn foes of the Ifrit, which is spelled E-F-R-E-E-T, Ifrit. They are fire genies in the plane of fire. They are the version of fire gin, D-J-I-N-N. Uh, I, I thought they were an electrified freet. I don't. So they're Ifrit. Mm-mm. No, no. Like I don't even know what a bike. I don't know what a frite is. Isn't that like food I'm, though? Frites, that's like French for fries. Oh, like pom frites is like but that's fried like apple. Yes, yeah, we're yeah, so good at that. language, guys. First, you got azer, <laughs> yes. now we got frites. All right, I made it. I made it one sentence in, and this is not a short description. Uh-oh. In appearance and manner, the azer resembles a male dwarf, but this is a facade. Beneath its metallic-looking skin, an azer is a being of fire, which outwardly manifests in its own in its fiery hair and beard. Mm. So, a dwarf with fire hair. Do you think yeah, it has a that's... fire crotch? Oh, Speaking of crotches, I brought it back. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, you are dwelling on the privates. <laughs> I guess so today. Yeah, no. Carry on. It does look like a, a gold statue of a dwarf, but with fire on its head. Yep. Um, and beard. And weapon. Well, it, well, that's not part of Okay. Made, not born. Not born. Azers don't reproduce. They are each crafted from bronze by another Azer and imbued with a portion of the crafter's inner flame. 
Each azer is sculpted with unique features. This crafting process limits the growth of the azer population and is the primary reason that these creatures remain rare. Volcanic dwellers. Azers dwell in a kingdom on the border between the elemental plane of earth and the elemental plane of fire, a range of mountains and volcanoes whose spires rise as a series of fortresses. Beneath mountain peaks, under volcanic calderas, and amid rivers of magma, azers extract gleaming metals and glittering gems from the earth. Squads of Azer patrol the passes and tunnels of their realm, fending off the salamander raiders who Ifrit Master's order strikes against whose Ifrit Master's order strikes against the Azer Kingdom. They have salamanders? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna talk about them next. I we already about these salamander. Oh, no, we've you covered guys already slads. Did I think we covered slads, which are the same thing. But I think you're right. I think we already did those. Let me see if I can find the episode. Maybe. I don't remember. (laughs) Been a minute. Fire Newts. We did Fire Newts, episode 27. I'll cut that out. So we'll just just cover Charmander next. Pokemon. I'm sorry. These are such stale transitions. You guys deserve better, but I'm so tired. But it's gonna be Don't great. call attention to the transitions. <laughs> he coughs off screen and dies. <coughs> Let Thomas die for a minute. Oh. Something bad. What did you? Was it all the cinnamon you just drank and that nasty pumpkin spice flavored beer? No. You sure? Did you just do the cinnamon challenge, but in liquid form? No. If I was gonna do that, I'd have Fireball. Uh, that's very accurate description. Good job. Enemies of the Ifrit. Mm-hmm. Long ago, the Ifrit and the Azers were allies. Azers helped create the city of Brass, forging their home of the. Dead again. You're gonna make me work Forming? so hard on editing it's this episode. It's gonna make you do so much editing. Mm-mm-mm. Do I need to read for you? I'm fine. 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 <laughs> I just lost my spot, that's all. They're enemies of the Ah, uh, forging that home of the Ifrit into one of the most wondrous places in creation. Alright, Azers helped create the city of Brass, forging that home of the Ifrit into one of the most wondrous places in creation. When the Azers had finished their work, the Ifrit betrayed them, making a failed attempt to enslave the Azers so as to protect the secrets of the city. Despite occasional raids and skirmishes, however, the two sides have so far refrained from all-out conflict. The Azers believe that that only the threat of them revealing the hidden ways into the City of Brass keeps the Ifrit in check. Masters of metal and gems, Azers are masterful artisans and create beautiful works from the gems and precious metals found in their volcanic habitat. They rate the value of such treasures above all other things, sometimes dispatching parties across the plains to seek out rare metals and gemstones. When Azers are called by magic to the material plane, it is typically to help forge an elaborate magic item or work of art, for it is said that their skill in such craft knows no equal. Uh, living fire, an Azer doesn't require food, drink, or sleep. They just threw that into the description instead of the stat block. Oh, interesting. I'll be there too. Probably. Hopefully. Um, little, little, little bit of flavor text here uh give me a hundred azer slaves and i can forge an empire that would make the gods tremble 
That sounds said, offensive. Araxis al Sakar Ifrit Pasha. So cool. Yeah. Racist. You know his view on, on slavery. Mm-hmm. He sounds real nice. Yeah. yeah. So real these guys nice. like make their own bodies. Yeah, they just like forge themselves it's, each other. <laughs> it's a work of art come to life. Right. Let's talk about that stat block. You want the stat block? Alright. Coming at you. Azer is a medium elemental, lawful neutral. Interesting. They have an armor. Yeah, yeah it is interesting. Lawful neutral. They just like, we gonna do what we're supposed to do. Except we do hate these one guys. <laughs> Except fuck those dude betrayed. in particular. They have a reason. They were betrayed. They, they were tried betrayed. to enslave That them. is a valid okay, reason to hate someone. It's a... Yes. Uh, armor class of 17. Uh, natural armor and shield. Uh, hit points of 39 or 68 plus 12. A speed of 30 feet. They have a strength of 17, a dex of 12, a con of 15, an intelligence of 12, a wisdom of 13, and a charisma of 10. I did not expect charisma to be their lowest thing, because, hey. I mean, they're carved out of bronze. I mean, they're doing their they're best. Like... Brass. Bronze? Brass? They're carved. Probably bronze. Brass is pretty weak. Yeah. It's soft metal. It's a I mean, squishy metal. What kind of crew? Nope, expecting- bronze. Yeah, they are each crafted from bronze. You're expecting them to be charismatic? I don't, I just wasn't expecting it to be their lowest stat. They're like metal fire elementals. Okay. Like, what else? I mean, fair. I guess they do have a higher dex, which also seems wild. So. Plus one to dex. Saving throws, a con plus four. Uh, they're immune to fire and poison. Uh, they're immune to being poisoned. They, they can't take poison damage, and they also cannot be poisoned. So, I mean, I that tracks. Yeah, sounds very um, dwarfy, too. Dwarf, yeah, yeah, yeah. Passive perception of 11. They speak ignon. Ignan. Or- ignan. Okay. That's the language of the fire elemental plane. It's the language and of the fire are, pl- elementals, yep. They are a CR of two. Huh. Made of bronze and fire, so... Should be handled with, fairly well. With care, probably? That sounds like you'd burn right. yourself. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're craftsmen, not necessarily warriors. But they fight, though. Alright, uh, we got... Heated body, a creature that touches the azer or hits it with a melee attack while within five feet of it takes five or one d10 fire damage. Ouch. Heat, heated weapon, when the azer hits with a metal melee weapon, it deals an extra three or one d6 fire damage included in the attack. Oh, they hot, boys. Mm-hmm. Very hot. I mean, look at those abs that he carved. Yeah, he did carve them. Is that cheating his... if you carve your own abs? Well, his friend carved them for him before he gave him his spark of life. Can you imagine if you're like, I'm going to make such a hot person? This sounds like some very Dr. Frankenfurter shit. He muscly as hell, too. Right? You should look up this. You should look up the picture. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. <laughs> <laughs> 
do not know this reference. That's a very good radio DJ voice. That was uh, what's his name? Uh, shit. He was Nigel Thornberry. Oh my god, Jamie would kill me. Oh, uh, uh, he had a stroke. What is his name? Tim. Oh, I don't know the actor's name. Tim, I just know Nigel fucking Thornberry. Tim, not Burton. Somebody in their car is screaming bloody murder right now. <laughs> Tim, fucking, fucking Tim. It's Tim. <laughs> don't ask questions. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna make this you looking it up shorter. I'm not gonna look it. Oh, you want me to look it up? Okay, hold on. Uh, oh, I thought you were sitting there typing. I thought that's what you were doing. You sitting in front of my computer. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Who plays him? Who plays him? It's play Tim Curry. It was Tim. I was gonna say oh, Coleman. Tim Curry. I was gonna say Coleman. That that is not right. Yeah. It's Tim Curry. Sorry. Tim Curry is one of those people whose name I hear a lot, and I like never actually figured out who they were. They're just a person who exists. That's. And I know they exist, and I don't know why they're famous, but I guess now I know who they are. Nigel fucking Thornberry. Nigel Thornberry. Nigel. I'm sure he had bigger, more important roles than Nigel Thornberry. He has had many. That's what we know roles. him as. No. For our, our 90 babies. Yep, yep. Uh, and one more illumination. The Azer sheds bright light in a 10-foot radius and dim light for an additional 10 feet. Nice. I feel like that would make it hard to sleep. He's a bright boy. That sounds like a nightmare. I hate, being, I hate sleeping in the daylight. It ruins my sleep. He doesn't need sleep. He is an elemental. That, mm, fine. I'll accept I mean, it. It specifically says he does not require food, drink, or sleep. Fine. You know what? Some of us enjoy sleeping. Oh, me. I enjoy sleeping more than I like some of my me own too. family members. Yeah. Wow. Which ones specifically? I'm not going to put that in podcast. <laughs> trap. Hey, you're not allowed at the family barbecue anymore. It's a trap. Um, actions, war hammer. It's a melee weapon attack, a plus five to hit, a reach of five feet, one target. On a hit, it does 1d8 plus three bludgeoning damage, or 1d10 plus three bludgeoning damage if used with two hands to make a melee attack, plus 1d6 of fire damage. That's, is it on fire? That's quite a bit of damage for a low-level monster, a CR2. Yeah. 1d10 plus 3 and then an additional 1d6 if he's yeah. a swing in that. Well, so I say I the 1d10 plus 3, three is two-handed and it pictures him holding a shield and it says part of his armor class is a shield. So I imagine he's, you know, he's beefy one-handing, so 1d8 plus 3. Yeah. And then 1d6. But yeah, no, that's he'll scorch you. He'll get you. He'll get you for sure, yeah, especially at CR2. He'll fuck you up. Especially if there's more than one of them. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I feel like these guys probably would not be alone. Tell us, Zach. No, I doubt they'd be alone ever. Um, Well, in an armor class of 17, that's up there for a CR2. For a CR2, that's pretty damn high, yeah. So I... Combat-wise, these are just going to be your heavy hitters. These things are meant to just go in and start wrecking people with fire damage. If you have no immunity to fire damage or resistance to fire damage, they're going to do a lot of damage to you. Um, Plot-wise, the way I kind of see these is 
I would say if your party, this is very, very specific in the fact that you'd have to probably be somewhere on the plane of fire, the fire elemental mm-hmm. plane. If you were, f- if you were not given access to the brass city for any reason, uh, you could seek these men out as maybe your party sees one of them being escorted from the city or killed by somebody in the city uh, as they were like hanged for entering city premises for knowing the secrets, as the lore says, in the city of Brass. Uh, but it would be interesting to have the party go out and find these guys in their uh, kind of, col- not colonies, but uh, periphery to the city. And I'm assuming it would probably be like, hey, you witnessed a murder, but also in order for us to give you access to those secret tunnels to the city of Brass, you have to find some rare gems on this plane for us. Yeah, convince us to trust yeah. you. Yeah, provide us with some resource to give that response, to give you that information. Then the party can enter the city. Uh, alternatively, it would be interesting to see if they needed to find some type of ritual or material to summon one of them to help them craft an item. Uh, like it has to have the spirit of an Efreet to make it real, or perhaps only a sentient weapon can kill some type of monster that you've created or modified and these guys happen to be able to imbue spirit into something so that's the way to kind of give it sentience well are they not would they not be considered a, like they're a thing of brass that's imbued with a spirit are they not an imbued weapon uh they hold weapon i guess they could punch things technically but that just seems like cheating you gotta have a plot where they have to craft something uh, and they could do that in this well, the fire plane yeah, too. I, I feel like with them being lawful neutral, you're just as likely to have them as an ally as you are to have to actually fight one. I don't think you'd fight these guys very often. Like they have a code, and unless you violate that due to lawful neutral, you really shouldn't have an issue. But you got some some murder hobos. Yep. Which murder hobos would do that. Yep. So that would be a a questionable choice on their part. But in most cases, I think you could kind of set up and give a little lore background of like, yeah, these guys aren't the enemies. It's actually the Efreet inside who are conniving Jin. So do with that what you want. But you could have it where the party has been scorned by an Efreet. Like maybe there was a deal gone wrong. Maybe there was a patron who was kind of a dick to one of the warlocks. And they're just like, screw it. I'm going to go talk to my patron in person. That's hilarious to me. Imagine being forced to not enter the city of where your patron lives. And then this, uh, this Azer is just like, fuck it. Here's the pass. Like you need to get me something first, but yeah, go talk to your dad. I don't care. Uh, and so, uh, your magical father, if you will. So that's the way I kind of see it as being a, Hey, don't mess with us. But also, if you're going to mess with them, we're on board. To me, that would fall under their lawful aspect of like, if you're doing anything to spite them, there's no good aspect to it where they're like, yeah, just spite them to spite them. There's no evil or chaotic type thing to it. It's just you have to do something for me first is how I would see that. Or a collective of the group more than anything. Right. Yeah. So that's how I'd use them plot wise. Other than that, they're just heavy hitters. They're going to be hard to hit and they're going to be doing fire damage, which is great. Their weakness, though, is definitely the banishment spell if they're lower level. So, yeah, because you could just send them back to the fire plane. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. So what you got for our magic item today? Our magic item is the rod of security. 
It is a rod, and it is very rare. Nice, nice. Um, gotta move our sticky notes. While holding this rod, you can use an action to activate it. The rod then instantly transports you and up to 199 other willing creatures you can see to a paradise that exists in an extra planar space. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's wild. This thing is only very rare. And no attunement? No. Holy shit. Holy shit. Yeah. How many of these you thrown around? <laughs> I've never given one of these out before. You choose the form that the paradise takes. It could be a tranquil garden, lovely glade, cherry tavern, palace, tropical island, fantastic carnival, or whatever else you can imagine. Regardless of its nature, the paradise contains enough food and water to sustain its visitors. Everything else that everything else that can be interacted with inside the extra planar space can can exist only there. Mm-hmm. For example, a flower picked from a garden in the paradise disappears if it is taken outside the extra planar space. For each hour spent in the paradise, a visitor regains hit points as if it had spent one hit die. Also, creatures don't age in the paradise, although time passes normally. Visitors can remain in the paradise for up to 200 days divided by the number of creatures present, rounded down. Ah. That's a long fucking time. If you take your party of five, you could spend 40 fucking days here. If you saved an entire city of 200 people, you could say two days. It said one day. Oh, one, one. day. Excuse me. It said 200 divided by the total. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. 100 people could stay two uh, days. Yes. Yes. Uh, when the time runs out or you use an action to end it, all visitors reappear in the location they occupied when they when you activate the rod. Or an unoccupied space nearest that location, the rod can't be used again until 10 days have passed. So, only once every 10 days, but you could, like, I mean, if you were, like, trying to hide out from someone till some heat pass, you just, like, take your party of four and hang out here for a solid month. All you got your food, you got your water, you're in paradise. It's fucking chill. Yeah, and but time passes outside of it, right? Normal. Normal. Yes. Yeah. It passes yeah. normally. So you but you don't age. Yeah. yeah, you can't have yeah, so you can't have like fucking training montages and shit where sure you can. Like, five minutes later you're two years more amazing. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, if you just need to like hide from the authorities or something, what's like the a really good place to disappear like, to casting radius? How does it capture two hundred people? Do you just ch- say Oh, I guess you just willingly choose You have people. to be able to see them. So you can gather a congregation of people and just be like, we're going. Like, yeah. that's... Start a cult. Perfect. Get some followers. I mean, some people only did it with 12. So, I mean, 13 dudes uh-huh. can stay in there for a while. We'll yeah. we'll, uh, we'll take you to paradise. Yeah. Boom, we're in paradise. Yeah. For a... I, bet you could, I bet you could raise up a cult leader quite quickly with oh, one of man. these. Oh, man. Yeah, you get your hands on, like, a bunch of these... So that you could use a different one whenever you're, like, it wears out. You're like, all right, we got to go back. But you just pop a fresh one. It's 10. You just need uh, 10, right? Yeah, you just need 10. One per day. One per day. (laughs) Nah, not if you can stay in it. You don't even really need 10. Depends on how many people you have. So if if it's 200 people, or no, it's 200. Then you need 10. Yeah. We found the solution to world hunger, guys. Yeah, there's free food in here. It's D&D. 
it's Dungeons and Dragons that I guess magic. So I guess that it's a good yeah, point. Science magic. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, this item's fucking wild for something that's only very rare. Wow. So if you put 20 people in it, it would last 10 days. So you'd only need two. So you could take your yeah. cult of 20 people, 19 friends and yep. you. And, and you don't age while you're there. Nope. Oh, yeah, so then you'd, like, live a long fucking time. Yeah. You just pop out for a second and go back in to recast the spell. Yeah. I, we found the answer. Yeah. It's a peace and harmony. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely make that location look wildly different. Like, for me, it would probably be... Well, let me ask this. What would your uh, vacation sanctuary look like? What would this be like for you guys? Ooh, that'd be hard. We could just alternate between the beach and the mountains. I, my immediate thought was both. Por que no las dos? Okay, yeah, there's a mountain, and we're in a cabin on it, and then there's just like a beach over there. We can go there you go. Out. And it's it, not how geography normally works, but it's a magical paradise. Yeah, so. yeah. It's your, the magic part. Which one of you is the mountain person, and which one of you is the beach? Yes. Which one? Yes. So both? Okay. Both I'm a mountain. Thomas is... Thomas is more of a beach person than I am a beach person. I'm a mountain we person. Both are mountain. We're both mountain people. I don't do beaches I, that much. I can spend untold amount of time in the water. It's true. I've seen it. I love swimming and stuff, but I don't like beaches that much. I don't like sand. I like good beaches. Good beaches, yeah. If it's nice, clear water, that's great. <laughs> All right, Anakin. I know. I just said it. <laughs> I don't like sand. I don't like sand. But... So coarse. I don't like sand either. It's yeah. unpleasant. I I got half chicken fried once at a beach. I just don't want to do it again. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if we're doing, uh, let's see. How would we deal with. Tip us. Huh? No. Oh. Oh, mine's definitely not to tips yet. Mine definitely be like a mountain pass or something. It doesn't say the size, does it? It just is infinite, isn't it? No. Yeah, it can be whatever you want. Like it. Yeah. Right. It could be a ski resort. It could there be a ski go. resort. And at the end of the ski Don't resort, like, it, can't it, ski. it stops on sand, and then you ski into the ocean where it automatically hooks you <laughs> to a boat. There you go. There go. That sounds everything for everybody. Warm. So yeah, it's just like. It's I don't know how to describe it, but that sounds great. I think it would be interesting if you also mm, that'd be a very fun thing to do to your players. Like we're going to have a beach scene. Everybody stand here and hold up the rod and blink everybody into it. So at least you don't age. But still, I mean, you're looking at like a five person party is in there for 40 days. Yeah, you got a whole fucking month. I feel mm, I wonder if. It could be used. Does the user have to go there? Says, I'm wondering if it if, sounds like you do. If you're bad it's guy, like you, it says you and so many okay. other yeah. willing creatures. I'm wondering if your bad guy can trap your party in it until his plans come to fruition. Mm, he'd have to go with you. Well, whoever used the rod would have to go with yeah. you. Could be minion. True. Yeah. yeah. Does it? They have to be willing creatures, though. Mm. Oh, there it stops it automatically. I think it would be an interesting thing that, like, you as, like, a group know that this catastrophic, like, this volcano's been brewing for years. 
and they know it's going to blow any time now or some type of catastrophic disaster. And this village is in the way and you have to go in and save them by teleporting them away. And hopefully by the time you come back, it's not magma or lava. Yeah, technically yeah that's lava. what it says. It's like you come back to the same place. Yeah, or slightly near it, right? Like I would just rule that if it's a danger, you appear in the nearest safest space, but their houses would definitely be gone. So, yeah, that's a dark plot there. So, uh, yeah. what book yeah. recommendations do y'all have? Oh, are we just skipping? You ain't got no tips for us? Oh, shit. Tips. Y'all are supposed to ask questions. I don't know nothing. Oh, tip, tip, tip. Just the tip. Ah, uh, skeet, skeet from the tip. No, that's worse. I made wow. that way worse. <laughs> wow. I should not. I mean, that's that is what there. skeet, skeet means anyway. How you, how you doing, buddy? You, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you lonely? <laughs> I just need to sleep is what the thing. I took a Benadryl last night and I haven't slept that good in a long time. <clears throat> oh man, I love taking a Benadryl and getting a good night's sleep. Right? It's the best. Fuck it. We're 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 not encouraging drugged sleeping. I mean But if you have really bad allergies and you need to get a good night's sleep, take a Benadryl. Benadryl. Great. The seven dollar babysitter. Oh no! Oh, we God. don't encourage that. What? what? No. Yeah, sleep. You're giving it to children. I mean, you're gonna give them children's Benadryl. I'm kidding. I don't have children, and this is why. Uh, so <laughs> I drug them. Do I... we have a question for Zach, though, Thomas? Oh, were we gonna talk about encouraging table talk or like role playing between your play your player characters? Yes, that's the, we were thinking about this fireside chats how you sort of encourage that because like it seems like role-playing between your characters and your non-playable characters probably happens a good bit yeah they just sometimes they have to talk to you as the dm between your characters yeah seems a little slim sometimes i usually start with like trying to get them to interact and ask for help from each other if necessary or if it's not too dangerous of a situation, have them split into groups. Never split the party in like combat or something too dangerous, but give them the opportunity yeah. to do that and open a conversation. Um, you can sometimes kind of force it based off of like having your players do two truths and a lie. And that person knows like a rumor about the other one and they have this time to address it. Or I kind of go, I don't go cold turkey on these things or like force them all in at once. My big thing is to always ask the players if they're new to kind of describe what they're doing in character or in combat first. Cause if they're okay describing like combat, they should be okay. Just having a conversation with each other because they're expressing right. combat and like, Oh, I do this. I do this. I do this versus when you're in person and having a conversation, it's just like, Hey, just, Talk to them, ask them about it. And then if there's a lie or something or a, a mention of truth or whatever, then you go from there and see if the party recognizes it. But I never, when it comes to like, you tell me, oh yeah, I'm having a good day or no, I never stole that. If the player doesn't say insight check or something, they just have to roll with it. Literally, they won't really roll, but they'll just have to like accept <laughs> that as truth, right? So... I, I've kind of worked in with that way is just like describe your combat when it comes to talking with things. My, my big thing when I ever start with new players is I always introduce them to 
uh, rolling things out in the very beginning of the session. So I recently ran a spell jammer one off and I had them do tasks around the ship for the first day of flight. And that was it. I had them do that in like context because they are students who recently passed their academy exam and they just need to fly and hopefully hold on to their lunch. And then after that, it's like, hey, you need to go do this. You need to go find food. You need to go find supplies. You need to go remove the leeches on the hull of the ship. Like there's a bunch of things that they could do to get them kind of interacting with it. And most of the time I said, you need to choose another party member to go with you and have them kind of role play what they're doing and how they're doing it. So, yeah, I think that that things around the ship ties into like Adrian's mention of fireside chat to where like you're bedding down for the night. Yeah. Right. Like you making camp, you have each each of your people have activities to do and they need to do it with people also in your party. Yeah. And it might be like the two rangers go off to go find food because that's their background and they should be selecting food for everybody. But the the only time I don't particularly encourage that or one thing i'll usually do is i will continue the narration as usual so if somebody's like hey i'm doing this tonight it's like that's great you're doing that great but if somebody's like finished something and there's kind of a lull in the speech i'll be like okay does anybody want to do anything else before we go to sleep anybody want to talk to somebody you just kind of have to preface it like especially with new players does anybody want to check something on their belongings do you want somebody to talk to you do you want to talk to another npc do you want to talk to another pc like you just gotta have them you gotta give them the opportunity and if they don't take it then they're not ready yet and there are some times where i'm just gonna say okay uh if there's really nothing major you guys want to do we're gonna go ahead and fade to black for the night so we can start the next part of the session in the morning the next day because that's normally when the the plot moves forward but the fireside chat's a good thing like you have to talk about like what are you doing eating today like maybe that's like have a bit of your backstory come out like you don't you could do like two truths and a lie around the fire uh and have the party start off with that there are some great online surveys that you can do that are just kind of like what's your character like uh another thing i'll often do is if it's an even number of players or even if it isn't, um, then uh, they have to know one other person in the party already. So if they're all starting new, they at least have to know one other member of the party and establish how they're connected. Oh, that's fun. That way they can have like a, hey, remember that time we did this or something kind of background chat. And my favorite thing to do with that is not to put too much detail in it for them. Just like, yeah, we met at a circus. I'm like, hey, while you're sitting there talking, you recall that incident that happened at the circus. What was that incident? And they have to build that off of each other. That's very fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Book recommendations? Yeah, I was going to throw out there, uh, there's a book, well, so it's it's a series called, uh, The Quickening is the name of the series, but the first book is called Mirren's Gift by uh, Fiona McIntosh, and that's Mirren spelled M-Y-R-R-E-N apostrophe S, Mirren's Gift. Okay, so what's it about? So it follows uh, a young man named Will Thirsk. Um, which they, this Arthur really likes, this author really likes using Y's because Will is W-Y-L because of course it is. You got to put some Y's or it's not fantasy. X's and Y's or it's not in a fantasy setting. Yep. 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 Um, but at the start of this book, uh, his, it's like kingdom, 
So his dad is like right hand man of the king. Um, and early on in the book, there is a girl named Mirren that is being burned at the stake for being a witch. Jesus. Um, and Will uh, 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 assists her. <laughs> he he provides her some kindness, and turns out she was a witch, and she gives him a gift. Um, and you don't find out what it is, and he doesn't find out what it is for like years later or whatever. But um, there's a like a betrayal of the king, and so all of a sudden this like right hand man of the king and his family are suddenly like not in high favor with the kingdom, and so it kind of just follows his journey. At some point, he finds out what that gift is. That's the big surprise, and that's a big surprise, and and then it's the the series is him kind of righting the wrongs that have happened, but uh, not a very heavy magic. But a uh, very good story, very good read. Yeah, a very easy read if a I very, remember. Yeah, pretty easy. It's just a quick. I don't know. I feel like I just sat down and like blew through it, unlike some books. It's very engaging. Yeah, read. maybe that's. I don't. I wouldn't call it easy. It's it's intense. It's very good. Is it like intense story. with the violence with it, or intense other ways? Uh yeah. There's a good bit of violence. Um. There's a uh, there's a good bit of scheming and plotting and and getting back, uh, but yeah, as Adrian says, it has been a couple years since I've read that one, so I don't it's remember it super well. I, I remember it. it being very good, um, and I should go pull it off of my shelf and reread it. You should. Sounds like a plan. Get to reading, sir. As I haven't read, yeah. I lied to myself and said I was going to read on my vacation. Did I? No. No, I did not. I all that car time, all that travel All time. that car time. I was like vaguely working, except I learned that my work laptop does not have, like it has a lot of processing power because it's meant for like engineering and solid works and all that jazz. And uh, I, uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. it was bad. I made a mess. And so I, it would only last for about, probably an hour and a half depending how much i was running at once and then after that it would just it stopped working and i gave up so it's all right and didn't read i didn't read because i was also driving so oh that's well yeah that's a valid excuse i believe yeah. yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I needed validity in my <laughs> statement. So any other... Driving, driving, is, driving is for podcasts. Yes, except I'm in the car with my family and they're just like always talking to each other. It drove me nuts because I was like, you guys, we need so hearing weird. aids. I'm so ta- sorry. Like We can't hear each other. Maybe it's road noise, or the air conditioner, or a little bit of music playing. But Lord, I was so tired of hearing, ha, huh? and repeating the statement again. So, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't ride with Adrian's family. Oh, don't ride with no. my family. They are so loud. Yeah. All right. Any pitches? Anything else we need to get out of the way? Um, I think I would throw out that our our artist that did our our cover for our podcast, that great little dragon with his sweet tea. That's my sister, and she is uh, Graphite the Dragon mm-hmm. on Twitter. And right now she's been doing a 
I think she's calling it Inked Up Oct. Like, Inktober. It's Inktober. October. It's Inktober. Yeah, I think it's... It's not Inktober, it is Inked Up October. Right, I think there was an Inktober, and there was some drama that happened around that, and they're, like, around the person that was doing it. I don't know the details. People that know about it know about it, I'm sure. Uh, but she was doing her own. She's doing her own. Basically, it's she has a list of topics for each day of the month, and they put out drawings, paintings, art, whatever, each day of the month that goes with the topic for that day. Yeah. Um, and she's been doing that. I know she hasn't been quite doing it every single day because she's had, she's got, this is her second time this month to go to Texas from Missouri. Oh. So uh, she's been on the road a bit, but. Most days, she's been posting just really good art, and you're welcome to join in. She's got the the prompts posted out there, so nice. If that's kind of your disposition, disposition, nice. I um, as always, this has kind of always been the way it's been done since we have her on the show. If you're interested in her art, you can also check out the link in our episode notes. She is referenced at the bottom of those, and you can find her Twitter there. You, you can also find our Instagram and our Twitter as well if you would like to interact with us in person. But, you know, virtually in person. Personally, I guess is the word yeah, I'm looking for. Don't find me, please. I want to be an illusion. A blip on the radar. He's anonymous. Yeah, you just get my voice. Like, like he just took his mask off and... No, wait. <laughs> not that anonymous. No, not that anonymous. Uh, so with that, everybody say bye. Bye! Bye! bye. Hip hop anonymous. anonymous. Why? I don't I don't know any of it. <laughs>